I've heard it said you steer where you stare. We are bombarded daily with voices vying for our attention. And if we fill our days and minds with Netflix and social media feeds, we can get off track pretty quick. That's why I developed a 30-day music challenge. Listen to Christian music exclusively for 30 days. The challenge is free, and I'll be right there with you every step of the way. Head over to michellenizette.com forward slash 30-day challenge to sign up. Change your music, change your life. You're listening to More Than a Song, episode 98. Welcome to this episode of More Than a Song. My name is Michelle Nizat, and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you discover the truth of Scripture hidden in today's popular Christian music. My goal is to teach you to connect portions of God's Word with the songs you're singing along with on the radio, to help you meditate on truths that will transform your way of thinking and ultimately your life. Happy New Year! I can't wait to soar into this new year with you, and what a better way to start than to use Meredith Andrews' new song, Soar, to swoop into Scripture. It's super easy this week because the lyrics come straight from Scripture, Isaiah chapter 40 to be exact. But first, let's listen to the chorus. mentioned these lyrics come straight from Isaiah 40, but I did what I always do and I highly recommend for you too, and that is to jump back a few chapters and read the focus area in context. In fact, this is a Bible interaction tool that I use over and over and over again, and I hope it will become a habit for you too to use this exercise Um, to interact with God's Word. So I'm going to kick this up a notch and use an acronym here. Now, I know that the Bible is a big book and rather intimidating. And so I was considering that common question, how do you eat an elephant? In other words, how do I tackle this huge endeavor? Well, the answer is one bite at a time. So let's take the word bite and use it as an acronym, Bible Interaction Tool Exercise. So take a bite out of Scripture, by reading it in context. You will not be sorry. So I jump back to Isaiah chapter 36. Now, for shorter books of the Bible, I will recommend that you jump back to the beginning of the book and just read all the way through. But in this instance, I know that Isaiah is one prophetic book, but that it was it was written over 40 years. So that's a lot of ground to cover. It is a worthwhile endeavor if you so choose to take it on. But for me, I just jumped back a few chapters in this instance. And it brought me to the story of King Hezekiah. Now, this is not a podcast about King Hezekiah, but it sure is an interesting story. And even more interesting for me is that my friend has been reading in Isaiah, and we had had this lengthy conversation about Hezekiah just this week. I'm not kidding. So this leads me to another way to take a bite out of Scripture using the Bible Interaction Tool exercise 
of reading with friends. Now, our conversation was from her perspective. She'd been studying and reading herself. And just from my memory, I had not necessarily been studying and reading it as we discussed it. But my reading this week was made all the more richer because we just talked about it. We had just had this conversation. And so I was able to kind of read those words that she's been reading and consider her thoughts and ideas that were coming out as it relates to her life. And you add to the fact that I'm reading this novel right now by Jenny Cote. I think it's Cote or maybe Cody, um, C-O-T-E, called The Prophet, the Shepherd, in the Star. And I'm going to go ahead and link to it in the show notes. Every time I mention a book or a resource or a link, I try to always put it in the show notes at Michelle knizat.com forward slash 98 for this week's episode 98. But this book is a children's book, honestly, but it's so well written and it's fun to read. And I was reading it and trying to encourage my kids to read it when I'm done. But the main characters in the book are immortal animals that the maker uses in the story. And they're, um, I think, two cats, two dogs, and a mouse. (laughs) And in this novel, the animals are living in Isaiah's household and are part of the story as the prophet interacts with living kings and receives words from the Lord about the present, the immediate future, and even the messianic future. So when you take my conversation with my friend, the novel that I'm reading, and in the chapter I had just finished reading was this interaction between Isaiah and Hezekiah. It was so great. And then add into that God's word. It's really come to life for me this week, and I found myself just getting engrossed in the story found in God's Word, not just looking for something to teach. I just enjoyed hanging out with God and His Word for no other reason than enjoyment. And this is something that my friend Keith Farron over at KeithFarron.com says is possible in his book, How to Enjoy Reading Your Bible. It doesn't happen every time, but I think adding in these other variables just really increases the chances for sure that I'll just enjoy hanging out. So interestingly enough, chapter 40, so I read the story about Hezekiah leading up to chapter 40, but it begins a new section of Isaiah, often referred to as the book of comfort. So technically, I didn't have to jump back a few chapters in this instance. Um, But as I mentioned, I'm glad I did. It was just a great time in God's word. It didn't necessarily add to what I was reading there in chapter 40. So let's go ahead and jump to Isaiah 40. I want to start at the beginning, even though the lyrics from our song primarily come from the end of this chapter. So don't forget, we're using the music that you're listening to as a catalyst to get you into scripture. So did I waste the time I spent reading Isaiah 36 through 39? No way. It got me reading God's word. So again, um, we're going to focus in on chapter 40. Let's look at the first couple of verses. It says, comfort, comfort, my people, says your God, with gentle words, tender and kind, assure Jerusalem, this chosen city from long ago, that her battles are over. The terror, the bloodshed, the horror of my punishing work is done. This place has paid for its guilt. Iniquity is pardoned. Its term of incarceration is complete. It has endured double the punishment it was due. Now, you can see here why this book, um, this beginning is the beginning to the book of comfort. I mean, God actually says comfort, comfort twice. And I was reading Matthew Henry's commentary, um, and it says, words of conviction, such as we've had in the former part of this book, must be followed with words of comfort. For he that has torn will heal us. Now, God's people are not living in obedience to him at this time. 
and, and leadership matters. The kings of Israel alternate between those who follow God and those that follow idols. And I'm, I'm sure there's a remnant that aspires to holy living. But as a nation, they've endured God's tearing, but not because of anything but their own choices and lack of trust and obedience in their God. But this was a time leading into comfort and encouragement. So if we move on to the next couple of verses, uh, verses three through five read, a voice is wailing in the wilderness. Get it ready. Prepare the way. Make it a straight shot. The eternal would have it so. Straighten the way in the wandering desert to make the crooked road wide and straight for our God. Where there are steep valleys, treacherous descents, raise the highway, lift it up, bring down the dizzying heights. Fill in the potholes and the gullies, the rough places. Iron out the shoulders, flat and wide. The Lord will be, really be, among us. The radiant glory of the Lord will be revealed. All flesh together will take it in. Believe it. None other than God the Eternal has spoken. So here's another way to take a bite out of Scripture. And in comes the Bible Interaction Tool exercise of following up on cross-references. Now, the voice of one calling in the wilderness reminds me of someone, John the Baptist. I remember reading that about him in the past. So I jumped on BibleHub.com, which is my favorite resource for chasing down cross-references. And when I type in Isaiah 40 and I click on verse 3, it'll show me the cross-references for this voice of one calling in the wilderness. And on the right-hand side, there's a section that says cross-references. And I noticed that every gospel mentions this reference in Isaiah as it relates to John. This prophecy in Isaiah is referenced in all four Gospels. Now that in itself was interesting to me because not all stories are included in all every Gospel. And each Gospel writer, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, have just such a, an interesting style, a completely different writing style. So and then if you think that about the fact that all four of them quote this same section of prophecy, it just adds weight to both the prophecy and to what it means. So I start clicking away and Matthew 3, 3 was the first one. And it says specifically, the prophet Isaiah was speaking about John when he said, he is a voice shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord's coming, clear the road for him. That's a quote out of Matthew 3, 3. Now Mark's gospel refers to two different prophets um, and their prophecies. So when you chase down the cross-reference here, it leads you to Malachi 3.1 and Isaiah 40. Ultimately, though, I love Mark's simple and clear description of John the Baptist's purpose. So uh, Mark um, verse 4, this messenger was John the Baptist. He was in the wilderness and preached that people should be baptized to show that they had repented of their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. Uh, Mark's a very clear, he's not super flowery, doesn't add a lot of words. It's, it's one of the shorter gospels. So, but he, he's saying, this is why he was here. This is why this was the messenger straightening the path. Turning to God, by the way, is, can be our downfall because we don't turn to God. You know, we turn to other things instead of turning to God. So repenting and turning. This is why the messenger was sent. This is how we prepare our hearts for Jesus. And John's gospel shows that John the Baptist recognized himself as the fulfillment of the prophecy in Isaiah. He declared that he was not the Messiah and these assistants that the um, Jewish leaders 
sent to ask him, who are you? And this is how he replied. John replied in the words of the prophet Isaiah, I am a voice shouting in the wilderness, clear the way for the Lord's coming. So in John's gospel, you see John the Baptist himself is saying, I'm that guy. I'm the fulfillment of this prophecy. And then Luke's gospel gives us more of the prophecy than any of the other gospels. Luke's gospel says, he is a voice, it says Isaiah had spoken of John when he said, He's a voice shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord's coming, clear the road for him. The valleys will be filled and the mountains and hills made level. The curves will be straightened and the rough places made smooth. And then all people will see the salvation sent from God. And you will set the crooked straight, clear my path. What is the prophet Isaiah pointing to? John the Baptist. And then a further exploration of John the Baptist in all four Gospels makes it pretty clear what John was sent to do. Clear the path for Jesus. And I mentioned it before, but God's word as it is recorded serves the same purpose that it did when John spoke it. Our repentance and turning to God is how we prepare our hearts for Jesus. John the Baptist himself told us that. Isaiah prophesied that he would show us how to clear the way for the Messiah, and he tells us. So the prophecy in Isaiah and our song both talk about straightening the crooked path. And in Proverbs chapter 10, verse 9, it declares this, Whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but those who follow crooked paths will slip and fall. So integrity and crooked paths here are set up as opposites in this proverb. So walking with integrity is to have an uprightness of heart. Um, There's no deceit with God or with men or with yourself. And so to rectify a crooked path, to make it straight is to walk uprightly. To truly walk with integrity uprightly, we must repent and turn to God for forgiveness. Not just ask for forgiveness, but to actually turn from the sin. And this is how our path is straightened out. This is how the potholes of life are filled in. And this is how we prepare for Christ to rule and reign in our hearts. So as we move on to the next section of verses in Isaiah 40, it reads this, beginning in verse 6. A voice said, shout. I asked, what should I shout? Shout that people are like the grass. Their beauty fades as quickly as the flowers in a field. The grass withers and the flowers fade beneath the breath of the Lord. And so it is with people. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. So here I am still using that same Bible interaction tool exercise, still trying to take a bite out of this scripture. Sometimes it can be kind of confusing, but what's great about this, there's another cross-reference. And so I'm going to follow that cross-reference here, and I'm led to 1 Peter chapter 1 in a section, um, verses 13 through 25, where Peter quotes these exact words from Isaiah, and it falls within this section of scripture titled, A Call to Holy Living. And it's a reminder that we have eternal life to look forward to because we have been born again into new life that will last forever because it comes from 
the eternal living word of God. He's really defining what this prophecy means for us. And in my opinion, it gives us more guidance on filling in the potholes. This whole section, this straightening the crooked paths and ironing out the rough places in our lives. Just listen. So think clearly and exercise self-control. Look forward to the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. But now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. Now, this this area of scripture goes on to remind us that God himself paid a ransom to save us with the precious blood of his son. So again, this is how we fill in the potholes. This is how we prepare our own hearts for Christ, is that we live in holiness. We live in obedience. We repent and we turn and we prepare our hearts for Christ. So let's move back to Isaiah and move down to verses 12 through 14. It says, Who else has held the oceans in his hand? Who's measured off the heavens with his fingers? Who else knows the weight of the earth or has weighed the mountains and hills on a scale? Who is able to advise the spirit of the Lord? Who knows enough to give him advice or teach him? Has the Lord ever needed anyone's advice? Does he need instruction about what is good? Did someone teach him what is right or show him the path of justice? This whole section right here reminds me about what I've been reading um, in Job this week. I've told you uh, on last episode that I'm doing a Bible read through and I'm doing the chronological version. So you read a little bit of Genesis, you jump to Job and read all of Job and then jump back to Genesis and read the rest of Genesis. But when I was reading in Job, um, I read it this way. God you know, was questioning Job like, Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you know so much. Who determined its dimensions and stretched out the surveying line? So again, this is another great example of a way to take a bite out of Scripture. The Bible interaction tool exercise of taking Scripture and turning it into a praise or a prayer. I'm going to give you an example using this section of Scripture. I just read you um, verses 12 through 14 of Isaiah 40. And I might take that Scripture and turn it into a prayer. And it might sound something like this. Dear God, you are amazing. You're so big. You hold entire oceans in your hand. You can measure them off as vast as they seem to me. You can measure them with your fingers. I know that you can take my vast expanse of a problem, measure it, weigh it, hold it, and handle it without my advice or direction. Forgive me when I try to tell you what to do as if you needed my instruction about what is good. See how I did that? I just took the very scripture written here and then I turned it into a prayer. Now, Beth Moore in her book, Believing God, tells us that in the Old Testament times, the practice of meditation did not involve the thought life alone. It involved the mouth. In fact, some of the English meanings of the Hebrew word for meditation are to murmur, mutter, speak, and whisper. And through, uh, just to add, through my experience and my studies, it also could mean to sing. And this is what I want you to hear, that meditation involves speaking God's word out 
loud. I think this is why songs like this one this week that quote, quote scripture are so powerful because you are meditating on God's truth as you're speaking or singing the lyrics of this song that happen to be actual scripture references and it's kind of it's you're meditating on them through song. So let's get to the section of the scripture actually quoted in our song this week and it is this. Uh, Verse 27, why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord? My cause is disregarded by my God. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. The International Standard Version says it like this, Those who keep waiting for the Lord will renew their strength. Then they'll soar on wings like eagles. They'll run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not grow tired. If you look at this verse side by side with a variety of translations, you're going to see this word wait can also be translated as hope or trust. And waiting on God is not passive. You are not just biding your time. If you want to soar, you will need to wait with hope and trust that God will renew your strength. And as we bring all of this to a close this week, I want to leave you with this to ponder. Consider how an eagle soars. An eagle doesn't soar in low elevations. An eagle soars high above. And with this rising above, the perspective of an eagle is much different than at ground level. So so how do we get this big picture perspective that an eagle has? We get the big picture by remaining in God's word. God's word will bring the perspective we need to understand our messy circumstances. Let's wait and hope and trust in the Lord and rise above this year. Let's rise above feeling like God doesn't care about our circumstances like we just read. Uh, How can you say the Lord does not see your troubles? How can you say God ignores your rights? No one can measure the depths of his understanding. He is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. Let's rise above the fear of national and international politics. Verse 15 says, The nations of the world are but a drop in the bucket to God, nothing more than dust on the scales. And verse 23 and 24 tells us that God judges the great people of the world and brings them all to nothing. They hardly get started, barely taking root when he blows on them and they wither and the wind carries them off like chaff. Let's let's rise above the materialism idol of our day. You know, rise above that desire to fit into the world with the right clothes and the right cars and the right home. Verses 18 and 19 asks this rhetorical question. To whom can you compare God? What image can you find to resemble him? Can he be compared to an idol formed in a mold, overlaid with gold and decorated with silver chains? Maybe you're thinking to yourself, I'm so poor, I don't even try to keep up with the Joneses. But even the poor succumb to idols, as verse 20 reminds us. If people are too poor for that, they might at least choose wood that won't decay in a skilled craftsman to carve an image that won't fall down. Let's rise above feelings of helplessness and wandering because we can clearly see our shepherd who guides and protects and carries us. Look at verse 11. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will carry the lambs in his arms, holding them close to his heart. He will gently lead the mother sheep with their young. 
As a parent, I love that he will lead me with my young. I unpack this idea further on episode 35 if you want to check that one out. Let's rise above self. If we can bring it back full circle, let's answer the call to make a clear path for the Messiah to come and make his home in our heart. Let's fill in the potholes of self and straighten out the crooked paths through repentance and obedience. Let's make this year a a year that we keep the eagle's perspective. Rise up and soar. So what's next? Well, grab your Bible and read Isaiah chapter 44 yourself. Follow some of the same cross-references and get a clear picture on how God is calling you to prepare your heart for Christ. Rise above your circumstances and replace false thinking with the truth of God's Word. And then while you're in God's Word this week, let me know how you're doing. You can email me directly, michelle at michellekneesat.com. I'm on Twitter and on Facebook as well. Let's talk about what you're learning. Now, before I tell you what song will be featured next week, I want to shout out to Britt from Tennessee, Jerry from Florida, Adriana from Louisiana, and Alice from California. They are my newest subscribers to my website. Welcome. Now, the benefit of subscribing is that I will email you once a week. And in that email, you'll get a weekly memory verse resource to display on your smartphone, your tablet, your desktop, or you can print it out and put it wherever is convenient for you. You'll also get an email recap of the week's episode, and you'll get instant access to any of the extra resources that I create on from time to time for some of my episodes. It's just my way of saying Thank you for listening. So head over to michellekneesat.com and subscribe today. And then don't miss an episode of my podcast by subscribing in iTunes. And while you're there, please leave me a written review and a star rating. It encourages me, but more than that, it helps me stay visible to new listeners. And as always, if you take the time to review my podcast, I will take the time to personally thank you right here on the podcast. Just like Paradise920, who says, I was led to this podcast. I so need help with my walk with questions like, where do I start and how do I get where God wants me. This is awesome. Thank you. I'm so excited. What a blessing. Well, Paradise, you are a blessing to me, and that review is a blessing, so thank you. Well, that's it for this episode of More Than a Song. Next week, I will use Just Be Held by Casting Crowns to jump into scripture. Thanks to my listener, Kathy, for the suggestion. And if you liked this episode, would you mind sharing it with others? I've made it really easy. With just one click, you can share via Facebook, Twitter, or email. Just head over to michellekneesat.com forward slash 98. And while you're there, I'd love to hear from you. Click on comment to join the conversation. Until next time, take time to meditate on God's word and consider his ways.